Hey, my friends, thanks for joining me for this episode of Real Live Talk. I really appreciate you for stopping by to listen to today's conversation with Jeff Mason. Jeff is a kingdom business leader. Through his writing, podcasts, and speaking engagements, he provides simple ground-level tools to help business leaders strengthen the client engagement process. He also serves as a group facilitator for the Christian Business Network. He's the author of a book called Simple Biz 360, Timeless Business Tools, and also the host of the Simple Biz 360 podcast. So uh, this conversation was kind of a treat for me personally because Jeff and I go way back. I kind of grew up with his family. His daughters were really, really good friends of mine. And then uh, they moved away, and it's been a number of years since I've connected with Jeff. This was actually the first time that I've chatted with Jeff as an adult, so it was really, really cool. Jeff has 39 years of marriage experience, I think a few decades of following Jesus experience, and a few decades of business experience. So there's tons of wisdom in this conversation. I was super blessed by it, and uh, I pray that the content of this episode blesses or encourages you. So please join me in welcoming to the podcast for the first and hopefully not the last time, Jeff Mason. I'm just excited, man. I'm excited to connect with you. I'm excited to to hear more and to learn more about yeah. what you're doing, both in the business world and just in the ministry world and for the kingdom. And uh, I, I'm, I'm also, one of the things that I, I'd like to do today, Jeff, is kind of uh, get a little bit of your background story, like even your kind of origin story, what, what your life was like before you met Jesus, and then kind of how you came to know the Lord and stuff like that. I think I know... I know some of the pieces, but sure. I don't uh, really know the story. And so that's something that I would sure. uh, love to get into. But uh, before we do that, would you just kind of uh, introduce yourself a little bit and share a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. Uh, my name's Jeff Mason. I'm coming to you today from St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, my family and I lived in uh, New Jersey, and that's how I came to know Duke and lived there for 32 years. And Moved there in 2001, so we've been out in Missouri ever since then. I have two daughters, uh, 35 and 33 years old. I have two grandsons, seven and three. Uh, my wife and I have been married wow. for 39 years, and uh, yeah, wow. I had a little bit of a you know bad boy past. Um, so I uh, hitchhiked for four years of my life, and I met my wife hitchhiking. Believe it or not, her really, boy, her boyfriend picked me up, and they were her on the boyfriend fritz. picked you up. He did. They did. He picked me up in Brigantine, New Jersey. Uh, they were on the fritz, uh, unbeknownst to us. And mm. lo and behold, uh, you know, God worked His miracles. And you know, 39 years later, well, 41 years later, because we dated for a couple of years. You know, here we are. And uh, so I'm very blessed about that, and and came to know uh, Christ in. In uh, Princeton, New Jersey, 1987, Christmas Eve, which is a great uh, story. I hope we'll get to a little bit. And then, you know, I, I've been in sales, been in training, been in recruiting, been in um, sales training for a great part of my life. And I decided to write a book in 1989, spent 30 years putting that together, came out in 2019, started a podcast. Wow. Yeah, started a podcast to augment the book. And so uh, today... I run a, my day job is I run a sales agency in the upper Midwest. And one of my streams of income is, you know, this podcast and book that I've done. And uh, really that's, you know, what I hope Duke will be, um, you know, what I'll be spending a lot of time on and the, and the, you know, after I retire and I really start working the speaking mm. circuit and doing a lot of consulting on that end. Yeah. No, that's fantastic, man. I have so many questions. I have so many yeah, questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First of all, so was um, when you got, 
<laughs> Sorry ahead, to harp on, on some of these small details, but I'm so fascinated. It's such a cool story about how you got uh, picked up hitchhiking by your your yeah. your now wife's uh, boyfriend right. at the time. Was so was was Monica in the car when you got picked up, or how did how did you get to meet her after the boyfriend picked you up? No, she was not. In fact, I just told this story last night. I felt like God blessed me right there and then. I was going to change my bank account. Uh, I closed my 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 school. I went to Stockton University, which for anybody who doesn't okay. know, it's outside Atlantic City, New Jersey. And I was going to close my bank account on Brigantine, New Jersey, which is a little barrier mm -hmm. island. And I went to close it. And back then it was microfiche. So they, you know, I thought I had six or nine bucks somewhere in between there. I go to close it and the lady says, uh, okay, that's $609, right, sir? And I'm like, mm what do I do? You know, I'm not saved at this point. I'm like, no, it's only, I think like $6. She goes, Oh my gosh, it's only $6 and nine cents. So literally I felt like God was smiling on me. I go out to the Brigantine circle, put my thumb out, start hitchhiking. And her boyfriend comes by to pick me up. I was on my way to Abseek in New Jersey. And uh, he just says, you know, Hey, I'm taking my girlfriend to great adventure. You mind if I pick her up first? And I said, Hey, I'm bumming a ride with you, dude. I don't, well, wow. where you take me? Just take me, you know, up Route 30. All the street, yeah. yeah. So that's that's how I met her. That's so cool. Yeah. And uh, I, have a, I have a story. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, have, I have a similar bag story like that. Uh, there was a time where my wife and I, uh, we were on the mission field in Mexico and uh, we were doing very bad, very bad financially. And it's just one of those things where we're just like praying and just believing God. For breakthrough and so we go to the we go to the bank and uh, we go to the tier. they're all over the place now but it was fancier at the time than anything that i had known from the states and it was like it had this like little door kind of thing that opened up for you to make deposits and so um it would like this door would kind of open up and you'd put your stack of bills in there and then it would take it through and uh, you could deposit your money uh you know through the ATM there. And so we were going to make a deposit so we could pay some bills. And uh, so we, you know, we initiated the transaction. And so the little door opens up. And then when the door opens up, there's about, there's just this stack of cash just sitting there. Oh my goodness. And, and it was like, it was like this little door just opened and it was like, 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 Hey, take me like I'm yours. Like yeah, no yeah. one's going to know. And, and so this little door opens and, uh, we, it was probably the, the equivalent at the time. And, you know, it was pesos obviously, but it was the equivalent of like probably seven or $800 in cash. And so it's just sitting there and we're just like sitting there like, this is not our money. <laughs> like, wow. We can't take this money. So, yeah. so we brought it inside and we gave it to the bank. But it was one of those things where like, if you wanted to like over spiritualize the moment, you could be like, like, God, this is your answer to my prayers, right. but like totally forget about what like integrity is all about in that right. moment. And so anyway, just uh, resonated yeah, with, me with, with that story that you had there. No, did you feel blessed afterwards? Did you feel like God just smiled down on you after you did that or what? It yeah. took a little while. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. immediate. At, at first, it was it, it was it was the feeling of loss. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right at the beginning, and then, but no, very 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 soon afterward, it was like, yeah, like we couldn't have even, like you know what I mean. It was yeah. maybe like a split second where, in my mind, I'm like, is this the blessing of the Lord? Like you know what I mean? Because there's just yeah. money sitting there, sure. and then of course all the the knowledge of you know kicked in of this is somebody who was trying to make a deposit and for whatever reason didn't go through and they had no idea and they're expecting this money to be in their bank account and it's not going to be there. Like, you know, it just immediately right. started to think about that other person 
and recognize that like this obviously doesn't belong to me and, and so right. I can't take it. But yeah, so it was um not immediate, but within probably, you know, the first 30 minutes or so, just kind of like, yeah, you know, uh, th th this is a decision that we, you know, we, we made for you, God, like we're, we're, we're doing this out of what's right and, and integrity. And he was so faithful. Like even when we didn't have what we wanted and even when offerings didn't come in, you know, missionary offerings didn't come in the way they were supposed to and stuff like that. He was so faithful to yeah. just not allow us to go under. We were able to, um, even like when we, when we came off the mission field and we were coming back to the States, we did so with no, you know, we didn't have any debt. Um, and we were able to even like, we gave a whole bunch of stuff away when we were That's leaving awesome. and it's just all of that, you know, yeah. and yeah. God, God was just so faithful through that. And so, yeah. yeah, all that to say, like when you're faced with something yeah. like that, it's just always the best thing to just, to, to just maintain yeah. your, you know, your integrity and, and, uh, and do the right thing. You know, <laughs> God's not trying to bless you by yeah, stealing from somebody else. <laughs> well, you know, listen, I had a plenty of plenty of instances prior to this where I where I did the opposite of what I did that yeah, day. You know? But sure. uh, this was a day when I said, hmm, this doesn't sound right. And uh, so, yeah, very yeah. cool. Yeah. So 39 years of marriage, mm -hmm. you said. Yep. Um, I'm I'm uh, I, and I've always just I've always loved your family, your family. And my family were very close back in the day, living in New Jersey together. We used to, we only lived at one point anyway, like five minutes apart. Right. And uh, cool. I was at your house all the time and all that was just really, really cool. Um, but what, what would you, what would you just share on like how you get to 39 years of marriage? Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, you know, it's, it's certainly a lot of prayer and a lot of, uh, you know, working together and a lot of, uh, you know, uh, just understanding that this is a 50 50 relationship and it's it doesn't always work that way but when you really realize that you know we're in this together as a team and we've now become one you know um that you know when we hit the tough times you know we've got to work through it and rather than walk away from it work through it. we've had tough times and uh you know we weren't you know we both weren't uh saved when we initially got married and monica got uh, saved two and a half years before I did. And so there's a lot of strife, especially with my alcohol and drug addiction and all that. And, you know, so there was a lot of pressure and a lot of weirdity that went on there. And we uh, luckily hung on or God kept us hanging on. And so I would just say to anybody, you know, it's, it's just because you're a Christian, just because you do life with God doesn't mean, you know, everything's roses as, as you know, mm. and it's, it's, uh, you know, but, but to imagine, to try to imagine not, you know, doing life with my wife and working through some of our situations without God, I, I can't imagine that. You know, mm. I can't imagine what that road would have been like. I'm sure we wouldn't be together now. But yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, it's incredible. It's such a cool story. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk about the book. So you said, I didn't realize this. Um, I, I did, uh, I was aware that many, many years of business um, you know, your involvement in business in different capacities and executive leadership roles and just in different areas of business, owning your, you know, running your own businesses and stuff like that has gone into the formation of, uh, of, of the book that you wrote, um, Simple Biz 360, right? right. And so, uh, but what I wasn't aware is that you, what you said a, a moment ago was that the, the idea for the book was actually birthed in your heart back in 
1989. Right. Is that what you said? Right. And then it was a lifetime almost of walking through yeah. and uh, and putting it together. So what did that look like? How did, you know, looking back 30 plus years ago and uh, when that initial concept for uh, for the book or the idea to write a book or all that kind of started coming into your your mind, what was what was that process like for you? Yeah, well, it's a, well, it's a really pertinent question because, um, you know, what you have to understand and rewind my clock a little bit is I was almost failing at my sales entry, my entry level sales job uh, in New York City. Mm -hmm. I was down in the Wall Street area working for Lanier Business Products and they had trained me and they had trained me for four weeks and I and I abandoned the training. And what happened was uh, I was very close to being let go because there's a there's something called draw versus commission. I was basically $44,000 in the hole with them. And if I had another $200 in the hole, I'd be fired. So I finally, one day, I accepted their training. I came in the next day and I literally started using it and, and everything turned around. So this was an important pivotal moment in my career, but it was an important pivotal moment for accepting Christ too, because what what happened if you if you look if you think of two sets of railroad tracks you know here's that business track that just that just showed me that that training and and advice and and you know this this information i was given helped me get back on a track and go the right direction well now i'm hearing all this in my ear about you know god and his word and what's you know everything that's going on here and you know finally you know, a couple of years, two and a half years later, I give my life to Christ and, and much the same thing happened. I had an aha moment when I started using the training in business and I had this, you know, aha moment. I had this conversion. I had this change of direction when I accepted Christ. So here I am in 1987, having experienced it professionally, having experienced it personally. And now I'm in 80, 1989, I'm training, I'm hiring you know, college graduates, I've, I hired 65 of them over a two and a half year period. Um, and now I've got, a you know, 18 of them in this room. And I'm, I'm, I'm just loving that when we teach a concept, I see these light bulbs go off. And I can imagine like what it's like to be a teacher at that point, a professor. I'm, I'm getting, you know, I'm getting my satisfaction out of seeing epiphany moments, light bulb moments go off in these young um, entry level employees. And it was there that I said, I like this feeling. I want to do more of this. I want to write a book that gives just at the end of my career, towards the end of my career, just somehow gives advice. So what I started doing is I, I had an empirical data center point, and that's what I call the silent business killers. And that's the, okay. the epicenter of the book. And what I wanted to do was I wanted to live through uh, situational observation to get the rest of my book. So I didn't want to rely on empirical data, go out and find Harvard business studies and all this, that I had my empirical center point and I wanted to live life, um, recording what happened as I went down the business path. And I was fortunate enough to, to work for 32 companies in nine different industries. So, you know, my specialty today is, um, improving the customer experience. So I got to immerse myself in 32 customer service machines and, you know, th that exposed me. It was like it was like, uh, you know, being an MBA and going out and being a consultant for 32 companies. I got a, I got a mm. taste of how 32 companies handled the customer experience and it really helped me. And so, you know, I sit here today and I still love that ability to share something with someone 
that creates an epiphany moment, creates a redirection, creates a reboot. And and Duke, there's there's no bigger reboot in life than John three. I mean, you know, when you go through that John three conversion, yeah, you know, you realize what Jesus means when he's talking to Nicodemus, who's you know one of the smartest guys in the world, you know, at this point, you know, supposedly, right? And uh, you know, it's it's simplified. Hence, I love, you know, your, your podcast at one point was called Simple Big Book. You know, I mean, you've got that simple angle to it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, simplicity was always a gravity point for me that whatever I wanted to do, I wanted to try to simplify things for people. Because I yeah. think John 3 yeah. is super simplified, right? I mean, yeah, Jesus lays it out. Here's, here it is, dude. Yeah. You got to kind of like, uh, you know. Got to kind of get born again. What's it mean? Well, you got to get end up in spiritual diapers, kind of, and just drink milk. You know, I mean, he's not saying that, yeah. but he's saying that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some 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 cool similarities there. So I, um, when I wrote the first book that I wrote, Simple Power, um, I started writing it in I think 2013 or so, and uh, I I started writing it, and I actually I I didn't know I was writing a book. I was just writing. I started writing about some concepts, some things that I was kind of learning about at the time that I didn't really have a whole lot of experience in. But I, I don't know if this is um, you know maybe um, kind of like the process that you're describing in terms of business, where you know you had some epiphany moments, you had the the idea for what you wanted to do, but then you wanted to be able to write through experience. Correct. You wanted to be able to write from a place of experience and not just from, as you said, empirical data and stuff like that, or from right. what you were hearing from other people, you kind of wanted to live it out. Right. And so I, I was kind of, um, I, w- I was kind of in, in that place in terms of, I was learning a lot about um, the, just the supernatural aspect of our relationship with God, um, healing the sick and just like all, you know, experiencing God's presence right. and, and that kind of stuff, but in just daily life and and uh, just like experiencing God as a practical part of everyday life and not just as some, you know, experience that happens every once in a while, but really just experiencing God's presence and power. And so um, I was like getting revelation from God on stuff. And so I'm just writing about it. And then um, I realized, you know, like there's a book here and I kind of was in this like sprint at the time to finish this book in a short period of time. And I re- ended up writing the book. I had a lot of it outlined, but I ended up writing the book in about six days. Wow. And wow. it's not a very long book. It's only about, it's 95 pages. It's it's not very long. Um, and so again, simple, like I wanted it simple. It's like eight chapters. And so I, I wrote, I wrote the book very, very quick, but then I didn't publish it for about six years. Wow. And so during that time, and that wasn't my original intention, but I do think that it worked out very, very well because what I, what I, what, what I was able to do was to walk through a lot of the experiences that I was writing about that I didn't really have experience for yet, yeah, yeah. or very few experiences. Uh, but then just through ministry and through you know going on ministry trips and and, and pastoring and you know, praying for the sick and seeing people healed and set free and having experiences with God of just like hearing his voice and then something supernatural happens and like that kind of stuff. I was able to experience a lot of the concepts that that in the book, they were just kind of, you know what I mean? Like they hadn't been experienced yet. And so uh, I ended up releasing the book at the end of 2019, about midway through 2019, 
it, I felt the Holy Spirit like kicking me like it's it's time you got to oh, get yeah. this book out. You've sat on it long enough. And then I took about three months. <laughs> it's yeah. funny that I wrote it in six days, but I sat on it for six years and then and then edited it for about uh, three months and, you know, yeah. updated some things. I think I added a couple of stories in it where I could kind of talk a little bit from more of an experiential point sure. of view where I hadn't where I wasn't able to at the time when I wrote it. So, yeah. So anyway, um, yeah. not 30 years, but I, I get where you're coming from. Yeah. But but what I'm super curious about is like just having that foresight to be able to, you know, you have this concept and then to say, I'm going to kind of progressively write this throughout the next. Did you have an idea? Like, did you have an endpoint in mind? Did you have any idea at the beginning that it was going to be 30 years or did you just know it was going to be a, a very long time or what was what was kind of your mindset? On yeah, that? no, uh, I, I, I thought it was going to be probably right around you know, Y2K, right around the 2000 period. Initially, okay. when I made the statement in 1989, you know, I told the room, I said, you know, I, I'm, I'm definitely going to, at some point in my life, sit down and write a business book. And I, I don't know what it's going to look like, but I'm going to do it. So I kind of earmarked a goal. And I come from a, you know, sales background where the goals and objectives were always, you know, something that were so important to us. So, you know, I kind of set this goal. And then, uh, no, I never put a time limit. I just knew that it was, you know, that it had to come after I was seasoned and I had to be seasoned enough yeah. to have enough um, meat to put on a plate, you know, and, and to have it be meaningful. And, and, you know, really it turned out in, in a lot of ways, most of the book is really third-party influence that I've repackaged and represented. You know, it's, it's stuff that I learned. I tried it. If it worked, I applied it. If it didn't, I fried it. Mm. And, you know, I, I try, you know, I, I tested it along the way and then, you know, recorded the, the results of testing it. And, but the interesting thing was it was all, it was a little bit ahead of its time because, you know, this, this term customer experience, we hear all the time now in marketing and, you know, client engagement and client partner success. It's really at the forefront of things. And back then, you know, I really realized it was all about the customer experience and the, and the silent business mm. killers was a, the epicenter of it is it, it primarily focuses on what drives customers away. Why do they go away? And what do they do once they leave you, leave your business mm. and, you know, and they damage mm. your business is what they do. So it was really an interesting. Wow. So, you know, the 30 years. So I really started to sit down and write at 2016. Uh, I went to a cabin for 18 nights of my life in the Ozark mountains and, you know, spent all that hmm. time really just turning technology off and being quiet, which was awesome. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so, but, um, you know, everybody's got the, the, what I've, I've interviewed and a few other people on my podcast who wrote books and everybody's got a different rhythm and a different cadence and a different set of circumstances. So I find it fascinating that, you know, you're six days, boom. And then six years you sit on it, you know, and uh, I mean, that's, uh, yeah, that, that's crazy. I, but, you know, everybody has their own different thing. And, you know, so, so just, yeah, it, it was, uh, it was just something I knew I would do. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, Duke, I think, I, I can't remember exactly what, you know, the feelings I had exactly back after I got saved in 1987, but I do remember this you know, God took alcohol and drugs away from me when I got saved and I didn't have to go through any step process. I didn't have to, I didn't have to do anything, wow. you know, wow. and, and it was bad. And, you know, and, and so what I realized at that point was God was saying, look, dude, 
I'm showing you how real I am. Now you've got to do something with this. You know, you can't, I didn't do this so you could tell your relatives. You could tell, you know, you and your wife could sit around and talk about it. I did this because yeah. you you need to you need to tell other people this story. So, you know, I, I didn't write a Christian book. I was a Christian guy that wrote a book, but now we're getting the mm-hmm. opportunity through Christian Business Network. I was able to blend it together into a course. Um, I'm going to try to get it on, um, you know, into a, a Christian course, if you will. But uh, so so now I'm kind of really expanding it a little bit. And I'm, I'm excited that I'm able to draw the Christian point of view in there, too. Yes. Yeah. And uh, we'll make sure that before we end here that we mention links and where we can go, sure. where people can go to find everything. And then I'll share links in the show notes of sure. the podcast as well. Um, but yeah, that's. That's really, really cool. I, I, I actually, I love that. I love that you are, you know, even, so even with the podcast, so the book and the podcast, I guess the podcast was birthed out of the book, right. Or inspired by the book. Um, so with the, with the book and the podcast, yeah, like, as you said, like you wrote these for the, for the business world, you wrote these, you know, you wanted to serve the, the business community, but you did so, of course, as a as a Christian and your perspective comes from, you know, someone who's been transformed by, the love and the power of Jesus Christ. And so uh, it's not a Christian platform per se, but it's it's written from from your perspective. And so I love that. Uh, I love that. And I think that we need more of that. You know, we don't just need Christian podcasts. We need Christians who podcasts. You know, we need Christians yeah, who run businesses. We need Christians who are infused into every sector of society and just adding that, that kingdom element. And I think that, um, uh, you know, if we as the people of God, wherever God has stationed us in life and whatever area, sector of society, we're there and and we should have as a core passion of our lives, it should be to serve. Because I think in serving the people and the, the communities and the organizations that we've been um, stationed or positioned into by God, then I think that that's where we really have a tremendous opportunity to impact people with the love of Jesus Christ and show people, you know, what this is really all about in, in, you know, beyond just, oh, you really need to get saved right now because Jesus loves you. Like there's, there's, there's that element of the way that we proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, but there's also living our lives and, you know, teaching and, and different things that we do, but from a perspective of somebody who has just been set free and redeemed right. by the blood of the lamb. And so we bring just his love and his passion uh, into what we do in terms of the work of our hands, what we do in the marketplace or in the business world or whatever. And so uh, I love, I love what you're doing. And um, I just think it's, it's a really cool way to, to serve people and to serve the world through, you know, just sharing your life, sharing your experiences, sharing uh, the things that you've learned. Yeah through the years. And I will say that I think you're incredibly generous, uh, in the, in this book that you wrote. Um, cause what, what, you know, I think, is it 255 tools, tools tips yeah. or tools or yeah, yeah, tools. So, you know, what, a, I mean, you could have split that up into like eight books if you wanted yeah. to, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And done it that way. and just tried to milk as much as you can yeah. out of that process. But I, I, it's just really, really cool how generous you were and just putting this resource together and said, I, I really just want to have an impact. Yeah, I know. And it's, you know, it's, um, 
and 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 I'm at the point now where I kind of I, I look at you know I don't know about you but one of my favorite bands uh, of all time is Switchfoot and I just love Switchfoot because they have the ability to say we're Christian men but we play some kick butt rock and roll you know and I, I'm a, I'm a Christian guy you know and I I. I better be able to back it up with my actions and I fail people. Mm. I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. If I make them, I apologize, you know, but my intentions every day, you know, my intentions every day are to go out and I call it a Philippians two, three, four challenge. Every day I try to go out and make sure that I do nothing from, from vain conceit and everything, you know, I do in humility that where I look at others having, you know, their interests should be more important than mine. I got my own, but, you know, to try to serve like that. So I really kind of, you know, I'm excited about being able to be a Christian that writes a book and goes out and, you know, helps businesses. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not telling them to go be Christian, but I'm but I better be able to back up, you know, what I say. And for the most part, yeah. um, you know, uh, again, if I make a mistake, I, I, I hope I hope I've been, you know, a good steward of going out there and apologizing and telling people I recognize it was my mistake and, and which I have. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, I'm sure I've slipped missed a few here and there and, you know, but still, man, it's, it's a process. And, but you know, Switchfoot is just, if I thought of a band that did that in music, I'd think of Switchfoot, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Great band. <laughs> yeah. They're great. They're fantastic. And they've been around since uh, I was a kid. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. I mean, I started listening to mid nineties and, you know, it was really, yeah, but just, just really a a dig them and a bunch of surfer boys from SoCal and yeah, they, uh, they, they do it right. Yeah. Yeah, We were listening to them. Like uh, I remember being in youth group and, and they were kind of get, they were growing in popularity around that time, like in the nineties in the, in Christian circles, but it wasn't until I think it was like, 2003 2004 when they started hitting some like mainstream stuff they put out a couple of songs that were like really popular on the radio to like where my you know my my friends who were not christians they started to talk about switchfoot and i was like i was like oh yeah i've been like I, i've known them for like eight years yeah yeah, yeah there you go yeah i know cool yeah and i mean it's great uh, you just you know really kind of like the bruce springsteen of the modern day with it with the poet you know that the way that they can work some of the lyrics in there, which is mm. awesome. So, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah, have, having fun now, um, just learning how to expand on all this and the podcasting, dude, I never thought I'd do this. I mean, my editor, my editor was actually the one that said, you need to do this. And I said, I'm not going to yeah. do it. No, you need yeah. to do one today. And so I initially thought I was just going to do audio and I, and I went and I see, I, you know, I sought out a company in St. Louis that would help me. And, they said, "Oh, Jeff, you got to do video. I mean, your 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 YouTube numbers mm-hmm. will crush your Apple numbers." And I was like, "What?" And um, mm-hmm. so, yeah, they said it's a big search engine. You got to go for it. And so we did it from day one. Happy about it. Never missed a week. I come out Thursday mornings at six thirty, six o'clock, and we haven't missed a week. Wow. And we just uh, we're launching one forty eight today. So one hundred forty eight weeks in a row. Yeah, good for you. That's yeah, awesome. That's fun. Yeah. So do you, how, how much do you enjoy the podcasting element of this as far as um, you doing it, whether some of you, some of these episodes you do by yourself and some of them you do with a guest and uh, yeah, I, I don't know. For me, I started out doing the simple power podcast, which was kind of a similar, again, another similarity yeah. where the podcast was inspired by the book. I, I, I wrote the book first and I published, well, actually I was in the process of of getting the book out when I started the podcast. So 
I had a handful of episodes out before the book was officially released, but it all started with the book. And uh, then um, I ended up, you know, I did 100 episodes and then I ended up pivoting um, away from that, not away from it, but I just I refaced um, the, yeah. the way that I do podcasting because I really just enjoyed the handful of times with the old podcast that I did an interview and had a guest on. I really enjoyed like I liked it so much better, just the the back and forth and and all of that. And I just like this dynamic. I think it's a really cool dynamic for being able to learn and and just have fun and all of that. So so I, I transitioned into something that's a little bit more uh, just kind of basic. So we can yeah. talk about business. We can talk about Jesus. We can talk yeah. about ministry. It's just yeah. kind of whatever we want. And it's not as much of a niche kind of uh, yeah. uh, of a topic that I was kind of tied to with the other podcast, which, again, I thought was great. And it's still out there somewhere. You can find it and get the episodes. And and I think they're really, really helpful tools for just helping you grow in your walk with the Lord. But anyway, all that to say, I've I've really enjoyed this element of, of just the interview style and talking with people and getting into stuff. And so anyway, what, what's, yeah. what do you like about podcasting? What's kind of your favorite um, yeah. element to the whole thing? You know, I, I, I tell you the truth. It's the creative process of putting together a show. Mm. And I, I, you know, Duke, I, you know, I, some people are artists, some people are songwriters. Some people can do all kinds of different things to express their creativity. And yeah. for me, what I love to do is just, you know, like I'll, I'll be running, I still actively run, been doing that for 42 years. I'm out on a run. I'm, I, I know I'm, I usually try to tape four or five monologues at one, you know, one day. So I kind of stack them up and, you know, boom, the title, will, the thought will come to me. The title will come to me in a run. I'll get home. I'll type it out when I get home, you know, right from the run. And now I have the, the title or I have the concept and then I start building around it. And so for me, it's that creative process where I finally end up with my final word document. That's the flow of the show. And this is what I'm going to market with. Yeah. And so, you know, um, you know, I've been able to, whether it's been an interview and I, and a lot of my interviews, I'll, I'll really do a lot of upfront research on the person, then my questioning, you know, including even reading the book and, and you know, their book and a questioning will be really more for them than it is for me. And, really in depth. And, uh, you know, uh, it just, just that whole thing about when I finally end that show and have that mold made, the satisfaction I get is done. And, you know, the, the show to me is the fun part. You know, mm -hmm. I've just never been afraid yeah. to public speak or talk to people and, you know, just, uh, so that's the fun part, um, to, to finally execute it. But, but the real, my real yayas are in the, you know, building molding of the show process. I, I mean, do you get any kicks out of that at all or? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, my, my, my favorite thing, because now all of my episodes are with a guest yeah. Um, or a couple of guests, usually just one, but sometimes there's, you know, but, uh, and, and I've done, I think maybe three along the way where it was just me just kind of talking and just sharing my heart about something. And so usually that'll happen if it's like a holiday or something like that, where I don't, yeah. you know, want to ask people to give up their 4th of July to be on a podcast, right, <laughs> right. Right. but, uh, yeah. So anyway, I, but so all of mine are, are in conversation and I, Usually I will, um, you know, I'll, I will, I'll do the same thing. I'll, I'll prepare, I'll get into, you know, if it's a book that we're going to be discussing, I'll, um, I'll do my best to, 
to get the book, to read the book or read as much of the book as possible beforehand. I, I do these twice a week, so I don't always, um, I will confess, I don't always get a chance to read the whole book before the the episode, you know, before we get to the recording and all that. But uh, I do my best or familiarize myself with somebody's sure. podcast or their work or whatever. Sometimes sure. they're people that I know, so I'm already very familiar with the person. Yeah. But yeah, but my it's my favorite thing by far is just connecting with people yeah. and just that, uh, you know, so sometimes it's reconnecting with somebody from my past like you. Like, this is amazing. It's like yeah. it's my absolute favorite part of this whole thing is connecting with people, reconnecting with people from my past and connecting with new people and uh, just learning about their life and just being able to have some conversation, which, again, uh, it, it's always Christ centered. Yeah. Um, in some way, we, you know, we might we might uh, really just spend some time just talking about how good God is. And we might spend yeah. more time, you know, yeah. talking about, you know, a particular aspect of leadership or whatever it might be. And and then there's some just joking around stuff that happens yeah. too <laughs> along the way. You so, know, yeah, some, just connecting with people yeah. is by, by far it? my favorite thing. You know, the other thing I learned to do just last night, I never really realized how nervous guests get. But mm. you know, last night we had a couple in from Hillsboro. So if you look back on my podcast, I think it's like episode 60 or 61. It's the Dawn and David G and Betty interview. And they're a couple okay. that went to Hillsboro High School in New Jersey with my wife. And uh, they own. Shout out uh, to my alma mater. There you go. I mean, I knew you. But yeah. So, so they own four marinas down in Forked River, now five. And so they were my guests on that show. And it was, you know, let them kind of tell their story. And uh, so last night they, they breezed through Missouri. They, they stayed on their way to Utah. They stayed a night. We had dinner and we talked and, and uh, David said it was probably one of the two most stressful things he's ever endured in business. Wow. And I mean, he's, he's hobnob with some big, some big money shakers out there. And I just found that fascinating that, you know, I, and I've had other guests tell me the fact that, oh, gosh, you, thank you so much for shepherding me through that. Mm. I was really nervous in the first five minutes. I didn't pick it up, pick it up. You know, sometimes I do, but sometimes I don't. And, you know, I just never realized Did you ever run into that where you find out that people are really nervous about being on camera with you? I've had a couple. Um, I, I've had a couple times where it was obvious. Yeah. And yeah, that that's an interesting thing as well, um, where you you yeah you want to kind of do something at the beginning to to try to like break the tension or to yeah. try to just help the person to to relax yeah. you know um that's 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 really cool that's that's just that's part of being a gracious host and and i think it's it's something that i'm still learning but um what i've always tried to do from the beginning well at the beginning i wasn't very conscious of it but then people started to make comments to me of, of, that i was doing it and then I kind of decided, I was like, yeah, you know what? I, I, that's something that I want to strive to do, which is framing the conversation or questions in a way that really, uh, I'm trying to think of the best way to say it. Like, um, I, I want to, I want to kind of set it up so that the person's heart kind of comes out in, in the yeah. interview process or, that, um, you know, I, I just want to be gracious in the way that I do things yeah. so that the person, you know, feels honored and feels valued and stuff like that throughout the process. And I feel like that can kind of, you know, sometimes help somebody to relax sure. and be comfortable. I remember one time I had a guest on and I was just like, um, you know, she was actually telling me she was expressing to me that she's kind of like introverted. 
and uh, this was on the podcast live. She was telling me that, you know, she was telling me that. And so I said, well, you know what? Let's just break the tension right now and just have an awkward silence. And so like we just sat there for like 15 seconds, just long enough for it to get like super uncomfortable. I was like, all right. So then we got that part out of the way. Like, let, let's keep going. And uh, she was great. She was awesome. She was a she was a fantastic guest. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I, I try to pick up on on those things as much as I can. I don't usually notice. I feel like most people because like I'll, I get nervous sometimes even like sure. before w- before the show goes live. And uh, especially if I'm talking with somebody that I don't know at all or sure. somebody who maybe I've like looked up to for a long time. And I just feel like I've been just blessed with an opportunity to have this person on the show. And I, I want to do a good job and I want to make them look good and all of that, you know, stuff runs through my head. And so there's times when I'm nervous and hopefully it doesn't come come across as like, you know, manic or <laughs> like whatever. Nah, yeah. yeah. Now <laughs> but, you, I can't see how it would. Yeah. But yeah. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's really one of those things that we, we have to be sensitive to, you know, and, and there's uh and there's a lot of podcasting out there now too. I noticed that where people are just um, it's like uh rapid fire podcast, you know, you go on mm. these services that match you up and, you know, people are scheduled two months out, they're doing two a day, one a day, and it's just a, a factory. And, you know, there's, it just, it's kind of, right. uh, you know, there's some, I don't know, some portions of it just make me feel uncomfortable. I like the more organic thing, you know, I mean, yeah, me too. you know, me I like too. this, you know, um, and, and we're definitely organic, by the way, I got to tell you, I don't know if you have this memory folks listening, you got to check this out. So, so Duke was, you know, is friends with my daughters and we're growing up in New Jersey. And so my daughters never really adhered towards playing organized sports. You know, I thought maybe I'd have two little ponytailed soccer girls running around. I pl- I played soccer. That didn't happen. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe softball or whatever. That didn't happen. They were dancers. They picked dancing. I supported it. That's fine. But right. we were at a picnic one day, a summer picnic, and you had your baseball and your mitt out. And I forget what it was, but, uh, you know, you you couldn't get anybody to play catch with you. And you were a little guy. And I said, <laughs> no dude. dude <laughs> Let me run home and get my mitt. I ran home and got my mitt, came back to the picnic. And I don't know if you remember this, but you and I played catch for about an hour. Man, that is so cool. And I still remember that to this day because it's the only hour I ever threw a ball in my young parenthood with anybody. (laughs) I never had that. I never had that experience, you know, and I was, you know, come on. I did that with my dad every, every night after dinner for years of my life, you know? Wow. So here I was with the Dukester, pl- you know, playing catch for about an the hour. <laughs> it was great. It was great. Ah, I forgot about that nickname, the Dukester. Yeah, I, I um, no, so it was good for both of us then. So it was yeah. good for both. So yeah. you you saved me from, you know, not having any friends or whatever it was that, that for whatever reason I couldn't get anyone to play catch with me, and then I got to help you uh, kind of relive your, your childhood a little bit and. Uh, <laughs> Dude, I was I I, I was like uh, I was on cloud nine for a couple of days after I was like, yeah, I got to. Oh, that's you. awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, that's so cool. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, you're welcome. Can I um I want to read yeah. um the yeah. the verses that you brought up. Yeah. Um, I had it here. I don't know what I did with it. Um. Yeah, from Philippians chapter two, verses three and four. You mentioned this before. 
and I just want to bring it up. But by the way, because I, I forgot to ask you before we started, uh, what time what time you have to stop? Because <laughs> you know what, uh, we're, we've, we've done about forty five so far. Yeah, I'm good for whatever time you think you want to. You know, let your audience okay. uh, cap off. You know, yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, Philippians two verses three and four. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. So that's Philippians uh, chapter two, verses three and four. If you keep reading into verse five, it says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So this mindset that's being described here by Paul in Philippians chapter two, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but but esteem others better than yourself. Like that mindset that's being described there, it it is the mind of Christ. It is is the way that God thinks. And even and we see that um, so clearly and so beautifully and so profoundly in the life of Jesus and him coming and, and even making the statement, the son of man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many right. and coming to lay his life down in the ultimate act of of surrender, the ultimate act of, of service, you know, just wanting right. to coming to serve um, this world, to, to serve us so beautifully and so perfectly that it actually brings us to the father when we accept what he's done for us. And, um, I, I just, you know, I, I just bring this up. Um, you mentioned it and, uh, I, I wanted to, um, kind of ask you how this sort of mindset of, of serving. And I know in a lot of what you do in the business world that you are, um, just constantly infusing principles from scripture and, uh, principles of the kingdom into, into business and, uh, and, and in what you do there. And so just curious, like how to you does the, do these verses or, or this mindset of serving and looking out for the interests of others, um, fit into the, the business world? Sure. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I think certainly for, for us who are Christians and do have that model to, to live by that, you know, if we can look at this group of verses and, and say that, you know, what we're really, you know, what we're really trying to do is create in business a good customer experience that leads to a repeat business transaction or a referral for another trend. Mm. Let's say you're a deck builder, you're a one and done guy. You're done with this deck. You want a you know, referral for another deck. So if we can, if we can look at the daily function that we have as business people and we say to ourselves, look, I don't, I'm not doing, I want to make money. Sure. But I'm not going to do anything that's out of vain conceit or selfish. I'm going to do everything Mm -hmm. in humility to show this customer that I am here to be a good shepherd, be a good steward, be a good servant to them. They're giving me their hard earned money. I want to make sure they get a a pleasing, satisfying product and a pleasing, satisfying experience in return. That's what God's called me to do. So yes, my interests are important, but you know what? You're the customer. I'm the vendor. I'm the business. Your interests at this juncture are more important than mine. And I think wow. if we can, if we can set our businesses up, and I, I look at railroad tracks and I say, if if we know the railroad tracks God has sent set up for us as the model. Mm-hmm. We can just lay our business railroad tracks right next to it. And we've got the opportunity to, to drive our train side by side with God and make sure that we're aligning. Now, that scripture also is wonderful for even a non-Christian. They, you know, if you're a non-Christian and you're doing this and you haven't come to know Christ, that's still the essence of business because you're trying mm-hmm. to create 
a customer pleasing experience that leads to a repeat transaction or referral. How do you do that? You do that because you're, you're demonstrating to a customer that, Hey, I respect your time. I respect your money. I respect the fact that you gave me this way to satisfy you. And it's, that's the simplicity of it. And I just think it's a, um, it's a pivotal, really um, deeply rooted two verse command set of commands that, man, if we're not grabbing onto that as Christians in business, um, we're missing the essence of, of what we're called to do. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. It's like, it says, let nothing be done yeah. through selfish ambition or yeah. conceit. It's like, okay. And yeah, I, th- I think, um, you know, w- when it comes to business, when it comes to ministry, when it comes to whatever, like we can get so focused or I don't know, I, we could even call it instead of focus, we could call it distracted probably by the stuff that we have to do, like all, all this stuff that's important, right? Getting the stuff out on time and just, you know, right. whatever it is that we're talking about, right? Getting, getting everything done, crossing all the T's, all of that kind of stuff. Um, but if in the process of that, we're forgetting that the whole point of me being here, the whole reason this business, this church, this organization, like this family, whatever, like the whole reason this exists is so that we can give to people. We can give back to people. We can serve people. We can impact the lives of people and somehow make their life better. It's the mission statement on like every single organization, right? Like to better the lives of people by blah, 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 by doing this. And so that's always the thing. That's always the mission. Um, but you know, I think that a lot of times the way that you, when you, if you were to delve into the nitty gritty and the way that things are actually being done, whether it's on like an employee in an in internal level, the way that, you know, your people right. inside the organization are treated, or if it's the way that you, you know, really think about the people, you know, that you're uh, supposed to be serving as, as customers and clients, right. You know, we, we would probably find that in a lot of situations, in a lot of contexts that those um, that serving is not really the, the number one priority. Right. <laughs> but uh, but that's that's really everything and, and everything that we're doing, that that's the that should be the goal. And I think if that is the goal, then, you know, what you're saying is that over that over time, like if my goal is to is to serve as well as possible doesn't mean I'm giving everything away for free, but you know what I mean? But like, if I is, is to serve as well as possible, then it might cost me more upfront. It might mean lower, mar- you know, slimmer margins up front, or it might mean that I don't see a return as quickly as possible or as quickly as I want to or whatever. But I think what it results in is longevity and it results in brand loyalty results in customer loyalty it results in you know people coming back for more because you're building not just uh you're 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 not building a brand around just a product or a service but you're actually building trust yes around you know a culture that you're establishing would you say that that's um a fair very way to look at things Very accurate. Yeah, no, it, and, you know, it's a really, I think, you know, relationships are everything, you know, think about how, think about how much, how many times you've heard in church that it's, it's our, you know, it, it's not so much religion, but it's a relationship we have with God, right? It's not so Mm. much the business transaction 
it's the relationship we are building with customers the same way we're, we're you know, we're trying to create a, an experience for them that shows them. We don't, we don't want to tell them who we are, but it shows them that we operate from a different, you know, we report to a different CEO. We, we report, we have a different board of director directors, you know, it's God, yeah, yeah. it's Jesus, it's the Holy spirit. You know, we're, we're wired differently and, and we want you to, to see that we operate the way that God wants us to operate. And as a result, mm-hmm. you know, I think you end up getting that, that customer gets a better product. And as a result, that trust is easier built. And, and, you know, and there's plenty, there's plenty of non-Christian businesses and business operators that achieve this and do this. There's no Absolutely. question, but you know, it's just, I think for us, if we're, if we're conducting business as Christians deviantly, we're, 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 we are looking at ambition, self-ambition and vain conceit. And those are our benchmarks. And we're looking at the, the vain, the, you know, the very um, ugly political and, you know, media type celebrities that are out there that are showing us yeah. how to do business the deviant way. And we're, we're grabbing onto that as Christians and going out every day and doing business that way. It's horrible. And, um, you know, yeah, we might make less money. We might get uh, taken advantage of here or there. But you know what? In the end, that's not God's work. He'll work that out. You know what I mean? Yeah. He'll work that out. And you just keep doing what you should be doing and everything will take care of itself. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. Yeah. Uh, so as, 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 um, as part of the, and, uh, we'll, we'll get ready to, okay. we're coming up on an hour. We'll get ready okay. to, to wrap things up, okay. Jeff. But, um, as part of the, um, the biz 360 or excuse me, simple biz 360 podcast, um, you've got something going on right now, um, yep. which is, um, yeah, t- t- talk about, um, what you have going on right now, as far as this format that you are, um, currently, uh, working on for the podcast. So it's three. Uh, business tips in five minutes. Right. Yeah. So yeah, talk about that. Correct. Yeah. No, thank you very much. So uh, what, what we really decided to do is shift gears a little bit, you know, and aside from interviews, you know, we'll do some interview formats, but when we get down to a monologue format, I think rather than being 10 minutes, 12 minutes, 18, 22, where we've been in some cases, Mm -hmm. 30, in some cases, uh, minutes, we want to shave it down to a, a nice light, tight and, you know, really compact show of five minutes. We realize everybody, you know, everybody's time is, is, is in a competition for, for listening to this, that, or the other. I think podcasts have probably exploded uh, twofold since I, since we started doing them. There's so much competition for someone's ear out there or set of eyes that we wanted to make it really easy to get tune into us every week, get a show, get three good tips and move on. And so we've started, so, you know, we're going to have a playlist on our YouTube channel that has the playlist, three biz tips in five minutes. Um, we're on 28 listening platforms. So iHeart, Spotify, Stitcher, you know, Apple, you name it. Um, we're on all those. You can certainly um, listen to a podcast there, but on YouTube, you can go right to the, the playlist if you want and just start pulling these down. So we're excited because it's going to breeze along and hopefully leave you with some, and I really like the format in that it, it's trying to leave somebody with the ability to go away and think about their business, ask themselves questions about their business. I'm not necessarily saying, Hey, here's all this great advice. Do what I say to do. I'm saying, Hey, here's some advice, but you need to think about how it works. Yeah. It doesn't work in your business. And that's really where, you know, we're trying to leave it. 
So before your cup that's of coffee is gone, my podcast is out. You know, it's done. Yeah, you know? no, that's great. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, how how would you say? You know, uh, just thought about this as you were talking. You, you mentioned um, a little bit ago, uh, toward the beginning of the podcast, you mentioned how um, when you, you initially had this idea back in 1989 to to write the book, um, and so in that time period of the 80s and 90s, you were you mentioned how that client, that customer experience was really kind of everything. And of course, um, it's still it still is today. But the way that business is done today, the way that things have shifted just with the Internet and social media and everything is so vastly different. Um, what are what are some things or, you know, that you've just kind of noticed in being involved in this world, um, even of coaching and training business leaders and stuff like that, being involved in this world for so long and seeing the different changes, uh, seeing the changes, like even just with the, the internet becoming a part yeah. of business to where now everything is, you know, it's, it's all basically social, you know, social media yeah. is just kind of at the foundation of uh, the way that a lot of people run their businesses. Um, how would you say things have shifted or have things, uh, shifted in terms of the way that, uh, you know, just that maybe a, maybe a business tip here, just as the way um, that people are uh, approaching business today in, in terms of client retention and customer satisfaction. Yeah. Yeah, certainly things have changed. The digital transformation has really, uh, you know, as it continues to move, has has changed the landscape of doing business. And, you know, to, and, and there's a lot of good with that, a lot of great. There's some bad, too. But, you know, a lot of great stuff. Uh, you just think about when I started in business to track a package, an overnight package was an mm -hmm. absolute, you know, hour long process. Yeah. Where today, you know, if you're not getting uh, information, you know, boomerang back to you in, a, in about, you know, in an email telling you what the tracking number is and when it's coming, you know, within milliseconds, you know, it's, it's almost a bad experience. So, so you know, a lot of that has changed for the better. But I think still the essence of it. The reason you see that from companies is they've asked themselves the question, how do I service a customer in a way where I get to them before they get to me? And I still think that's the art that that was the art of the deal wow. in my head back in 1989. How can we go out and get to people before they get to us? How can we give them what they deserve, regardless of whether they asked for it or not? You know, those are some key elements. Now, what doesn't change and what has gotten worse, I think, in many ways is there's this disconnect with the human to human exchange. And what, why do I say that? I think as we rely more and more on digital communication, text messaging, you know, fast, furious, social media, posting, you know, chats, abbreviations, acronyms, cryptic communication, we lose that ability to look somebody in the eye and understand mm. Like you said something about a podcast, you could read when someone's nervous, you know, you under, you kind of read when they were nervous. We're missing, I think, that ability to read people. I'll give you a great example real mm. quick. In a restaurant, my wife and I, after Sunday church, we're sitting in a, in a we're sitting in a, um, in a restaurant, sit at, at a booth and the booth is elevated. So it's up about six, eight inches. So here comes a lady with the hostess and she's got a, a cane and she's got a hitch in her, you know, walk and she's having a tough time walking. So the young lady simply says, okay, ma'am, uh, here's your seat up here um, at this booth. And the woman says, you know, we're right there. So we overheard it. She goes, oh, gosh, I'm sorry. I have a hitch in my leg. I, there's no way I can swing my hip 
up there mm. and get into that elevated booth. Is there any way I could, we could sit at this four top that's empty. That's right here on level ground. No, I can't sit anybody there for 30 minutes. And it was just this cold calculated what? response. And so yeah. this woman, and, and basically what you're saying is, you know what, lady, you better figure out your hitch. You know, if you want to eat here, yeah. bring that hip up there. I don't care how you do it, but you know, and I think we're missing that. I see it. I hear it. I, 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 I witness it constantly. We're missing that ability to understand what human to human is doing. You know what I mean? Mm. And I think as we get yes. into this digital transformation, our client engagement is, is beginning to separate and become further and further apart. And so, you know, I, I think that uh, yeah. is something that's dangerous for us. Wow. That's that's something, man. That's something that happens all the time in, in restaurants. And it's interesting today how because of COVID and everything that happened, having come through this this past season, it's like you go into a restaurant and they're at full capacity, but, you know, half the tables are empty. And right. it's whether it's because they're short staffed or well, usually that's what the problem is these days. It's because it's, it's short staffed. Right. And I understand from having worked in restaurants, I understand the idea of like this section of the restaurant is closed. So even though there's tables there, <laughs> we don't have a server working in that section. So even though there's tables there, they're not open right now. Like I understand that. And I understand wanting to maintain that because it helps with the, it just helps with everything that's going on in the restaurant to stay on top of things and, and everything. But I also know from having worked in restaurants that, uh, you know, if the customer is asking me for something that's going to make their experience better and there's a possibility for me to do it, then like, I'm going to do it. So like, I mean, I was, there were times when I was all over the restaurant because you know, like this person wanted to have a, a different table, you know, for whatever reason right. that was outside of my section and whatever, like I, that, that was the kind of thing that just never computed with my brain to tell somebody no, especially in a situation like that, where it's like a health related issue. It's not even just a preference. It's like, I physically can't do that. And you're telling yeah. me you're not going to accommodate yeah. this. Like, like, and, what are we here for? We're, why does this restaurant exist? It exists for you. Like, to give you a good experience. Bingo. Go back to Philippians 2, 3, 4, right? Think about mm -hmm. that. Because, and I call it, I call it weight-bearing loads, WBLs. So here's what's happening mm -hmm. in a simplistic format. That restaurant is saying, and, and hold on one second. I got to get this. Hold on. <laughs> so... That restaurant is basically saying, I've got a weight-bearing load here, and uh -huh. it's around my neck right now, and this weight-bearing load is around my neck, and that is that if you want to sit there on that and mm -hmm. that flat, you know, that four top that's on level ground, then we yeah. have to rearrange everything in here, and we don't have equity of distribution of tables like we'd like to with the weight staff. So what we're going to do, ma'am, we're going to transfer this weight bearing load to you. You put this around mm -hmm. your neck. We're going to make this experience more difficult <laughs> for you. And we're not going to wear on. this anymore. That's fundamentally sick. Yes. That's fundamentally incorrect. And that is yeah. where we're missing the boat. And it gets me riled up because we're transferring these weight. You know, I had a situation the other day. The company said to me, hey, could you get your customer to change these 10 purchase orders and get them to calibrate it to uh, 256 cartons instead of 192? 
I said, why would I do that? We've been putting 192 cartons on these pallets for years. Well, it'll make the job easier for our people in the distribution center this year based on everything that we got going on. Okay. So you want me to tell a customer to go change. So you're transferring that weight bearing load. You're saying, hey, you know what? Let's transfer this over to the customer. We'd like to make wow. it more difficult for you. Wow. You change all your POs because if it comes in at 256 cartons per pallet, it's easier for us. No, fundamentally wrong. Mm. So yeah, this yeah, is yeah. where we're, and is that Philippians two, three, four? And eh. you know what I mean? There, mm-hmm. that's for that's that's ambition is for them to be served, not for them to serve. Wow. And that's you know what I mean. And so it's you know it's just putting the the horse before the cart, and it, you know that kind of stuff gets me charged up. But that's what's happening so often today in business, and it's been. It's getting worse and worse over time that wow. I have seen. Wow. So sorry to get animated and leave the, yeah, I had my, the, the little, that was a good little object lesson. That was yeah, we're hanging on a, on a mannequin over there. The mannequin's falling as I'm grabbing it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's good. Yeah. It's like, let me, yeah. Transferring that load to the, yeah. To the person that I'm supposed to be serving. And we do it all the time, you know, and, and we yeah. don't even know it. And that's what I love about when we're in restaurants on phones and in stores and gas stations or convenience, wherever we are, just listen to what's going on around you. you you'll hear some stuff that'll blow you away. And you're like, wow, yeah. how can people do that? How can they be yeah. so blind to see, excuse that terminology, but you know, how can they be so naive to see that they've just transferred that huge you know, time consuming, strenuous load of work to the customer. Mm. Yeah. And, and I think, I think when it happens on, on an employee level, you know, it's a little bit, it's a little bit more understandable because, you know, I, I think one of the most important things that we can do, uh, this is, you know, again, with any organization, yeah. if we're talking about a church, we're talking about a business. One of the most important things that we can do, um, is to build a, a a healthy culture, right? And and so as we're doing that, you know, part of the part of it is getting the people that either work for you or volunteer for you is to cast vision to the extent that they can kind of take ownership of what's happening so that, you know, because if that employee doesn't take ownership of the values of the company that say, like, our goal here is to give customers a good experience and stuff like that. And their whole mindset is, I'm just here for my paycheck, which is understandable. Like, right. because, you know, if you haven't been taught, if you haven't been, you know, brought into right. the vision and, and haven't bought into it. But when you have that buy in that says like, like, I'm not just here for my paycheck. Like that's the ultimate reason. If there was no paycheck, obviously I wouldn't be here, but since I'm here, (laughs) right. How about I, you know, I buy into this a little bit to where, you know, I'm kind of sharing the load. I'm kind of, and and I'm sharing the values of what this organization is offering so that now, like when somebody comes in and they're asking for something that's going to be inconvenient for me, then like I'm able to put myself in their shoes and empathize and say, hold on, like, let me, let me do this. What's really frustrating is when, I mean, I've been in situations where it's been like the management staff in rest. Like, I I mean, I'm picking on restaurants, but I mean, that's where I've experienced this a lot is, you know, where it's been 
the the management people that are supposed to have some kind of buy in. I would I would think to be in that position, like there should be value sharing in sure. in the in the company and what the company's all about because they're they've been promoted, like they've gotten to a higher level, and so where the where the managers like don't even seem to care, and it's like okay, like how deep into the <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> into the roots of this company is this thing going and it's unfortunate but anyway all that to say that um yeah that um that buy-in getting that getting that buy-in and getting people to take ownership um is that something that um that that comes up in um you know because i know you do like speaking engagements and you talk to people on more of an executive and co coaching and training level and stuff like that um is that something that comes up and like what would you say is um, something, and I said we were wrapping up. That was like twelve yeah, minutes. Yeah, ago. yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Cool it's cool, but yeah, just to like maybe maybe close things out here. Yep. Um, what's something that you could share for somebody? Because I think this will add value. Yeah. Uh, in terms of um, you know, if you're the leader of an organization or you lead a, a section of of it, of an organization or whatever you have people uh, yeah. under you that you're that you're leading um what is something like what's a principle or what's something that could help us to better instill the values or better cast vision or to kind of create that culture of of buy-in where you know i'm not just here you know doing the bare minimum but i actually care about this company or this organization and i actually you know, want to, you know, take on some of those values and bear some of that load? Like yeah. what's something that, that sure. you think uh, makes it easier to instill those kind of uh, values in, in our people? Sure. So I'll answer it two ways. I think the first way to answer that really is authenticity. You know, I think that employees, when they look at management, the management tier, the executive tier, C-suite tier, and, you know, if there's, if there's a different set of operating examples, demonstrate, you know, you know, that they're seeing, that the employees are seeing and hearing, they're being told and the employees are being told to operate in another way. There's this hypocrisy. So there's this disconnect between management and the rank and file worker. Right. So I think the first thing you really have to do is to say, there's got to be an authentic connection here. They've got to see an authenticity in the message that we're asking them to carry on from the management tier. They've got to see it in us. And, and it, you know, there's nothing, you know, that's not a Jeff Masonism. That's not a simple Biz 360. That's just something that, you know, really is, is common sense at this point. And the other thing is to understand, and this was really fascinating for me. I did a consulting program in Australia recently, and we asked the, the, the 17 people on the call and we said, what makes your company unique? And you're going to see that your, your viewers will see that uh, green ball in and amongst orange tennis ping pong balls behind me. That yeah. green ball is to make us really understand and remember that our customers want us to be unique. They want us to be, they want to give a, a companies their money that the, those companies in return are proving to them that, hey, I made a good decision with my, my money because these guys are unique in the way they service there and they then they treat me better. So I said to these people, what makes you guys unique? And 17 people rifled out all these words and I wrote them all down. I read them all back to them and not one of those words was a feature of their products or services. It was wow. all, we care about people, we're trustworthy, we're, care, you know, we're um, mm. dependable, we're proactive, we're 
um, you know, sympathetic. It was all these values. And I think we really need to understand that our employees, if we want buying from that employee tier, we've got to set the core values right. And they've got to be breathable and interpretable on every angle of the company. And they've got to, you know, they've got to connect. They can't disconnect. And it's the hypocrisy, I think, that gets a lot of companies in the way. The rank and file says, hey, the boys upstairs aren't, <laughs> they're not walking this walk. They're asking us to, but right. they're not. And right. that's where you get into trouble. Yeah. That's so good. I'll take it. Hey, man, uh, Jeff, I really appreciate you, sir. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's what we're all about. Simple biz. We're fun, man. You know, I I, I do three coaching programs. I got, a, you know, what I call surfing, snorkeling, or scuba diving. So I, I, I work with you on the surface three, three months. I, I get mid-tier with you for six months. I do a year-long walk with you, and we look for improvement goals on the customer satisfaction customer success angle the podcasts are all geared towards that everything kind of funnels into that how to make create a better experience for the customer the book the same thing and so you know we're um we're breezy we're fun we're authentic we don't you know we uh, we tell stories you know we just you know trying to have fun with it and uh, so anybody wants to join us along uh, duke we're um like i said we're simple biz on every platform so just simple biz on Instagram, on link, you know, LinkedIn, on, um, you know, YouTube, you go to any one of the, you know, any one of the listening platforms yeah. out there. So um, any rate, that's where they can find us. The book is Simple Biz 360 on Amazon. You can get it from my website, which is simplebiz360.com. So just simplebiz360.com. You can buy it straight from there. You can buy it on Amazon. Um, and, you know, we're just, dude, having fun. and. Uh, you know, uh, I never imagined, you know, it would be this fun at the, at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. That's great. <laughs> you know, I said, yeah, at the end of my career, you know, I'm coming into the, let me, let me put it this way. I'm, I'm looking in the rear view mirror behind me. Uh, the, the, the sun's starting to set, you know what I mean? I mean, I'm mm -hmm. going to be 64. So let's face it. Come on. Yeah. Well, thank you for, for being here. Thanks for doing this. Thanks just overall for uh, just your generosity in these um, things that you do in the, in the content that you put out with the podcasting, with your writing, with just all the stuff. And so uh, I, I think that it's really um, making an impact and adding value to the lives of many, many people. So thank you so much for that. And uh, so good to connect with you after yeah. all these years, Jeff. For Absolutely, real. brother. Well, tell your mom I said hello and your sister. And, uh, you know, it's, it's wonderful seeing you again, Duke. And thank you for serving, the, you know, the Lord the way you are. I appreciate it, brother. You're, uh, you're, you're a gift. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, man. Be blessed, sir. All right, you too. And, uh, good hey, luck on the move. Best wishes on a move to Houston. Yeah, thank you. Um, and uh, thank you, everybody, for taking the time. If you checked out this episode, really appreciate you guys for being here. If you were watching it live or listening to one of the podcast platforms or whatever, you guys are amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, make sure that you check out uh, simplebiz360.com. You can find the book, the podcast, other resources. Uh, check out uh, all the links that are listed in the, in the show notes for the podcast on the different podcast platforms uh, for more resources and all of that good stuff as well. If you guys got anything out of the episode today, if it blessed you, challenged you, encouraged you, made you think or anything like that, if you would consider subscribing, sharing or leaving a review, that would uh, really, really mean the world to me. So thanks again. And uh, thanks again, Jeff. Bless you, brother. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Take care.